0: Hello and welcome to the new episode of Behind the Grind
1: Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Paige. And I'm Iharika. Marowal Law is a supply Nation certified commercial Indigenous law firm that brings an innovative and holistic approach to their clients. Marowal focus on listening and connecting with their clients to provide value for money solutions that help businesses to thrive and prosper. They advise and act on business planning, property, employment, governance and regulatory requirements and offer effective advice, representation, negotiation and litigation. The
0: impressive lawyers at Marawa are respected advisors whose on-country experience and ability to walk in two worlds places them as leaders in Indigenous law for government, industry and traditional owners.
1: Today, we're so lucky to be hearing from Leah and Michaela. Uh, from Marawa Law, but instead of hearing from us, we'll get them to introduce themselves. We'll start with you, Leah. Uh, So my name is Leah Cameron. I'm a Palawa
2: Trawillaway woman from Tasmania um, and I'm the owner of the Supply Nation Certified Indigenous Legal Practice Marawa
0: Law. That's so lovely. We actually um, found the firm and the reason that we emailed was my mum actually went to that Supply Nation event. Oh, true. And my mum was (laughs) like, Paige, I really like her skirt. Can you go and ask her where she got that skirt? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's mum, huge. went over there. She now owns that skirt. skirt. Awesome. I think yeah. I
2: remember it. I think I remember it yep. distinctly. I've just about worn it to death as well. Um, I think she's okay. very sad.
0: <laughs> no, it is, it is a lovely skirt, but no, it was, it was a very uh, good acquainted
1: meeting there. Thank you. So awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Michaela?
3: Yeah, so I'm a proud Torres Strait Islander woman with family connections to York Island, and I'm currently living in Cairns. I um, recently got admitted as the solicitor earlier this year, so working as a solicitor at Myra Law in the Native Title and Commercial Law area.
1: That's so exciting. Congratulations
3: on your admission. That's a huge achievement. Thank you. It was very interesting. We had to do it via Zoom um, because we couldn't get into the courts at that time of the year
1: yeah oh my gosh a zoom admission i bet you didn't think about that when you were leaving
3: Not <laughs> <at all. laughs>
0: god it is just the way of 2020
3: mm-hmm. truly right in the middle of covid yeah
0: <laughs> started with our uh, quick informal questions we always do the first one is what's your favorite coffee order
2: oh i don't drink coffee i drink peppermint tea love the smell yeah. of coffee but
1: can't stand the taste Oh, love the smell of coffee, but don't like the taste. That's interesting because normally when people don't like coffee, it's like flat out, no, like I don't want to be anywhere near it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, peppermint tea all around for me. Yeah,
0: me, Me's is always happy when people say they're not coffee drinkers because she herself is not a coffee drinker and then there's me that will wake right. up and say, don't talk to me, I just want my coffee, shush.
2: It's quite hard though as well because sometimes when you're travelling it's hard to access peppermint tea so I go around with little sachets in my handbag and sometimes I always worry that it looks quite suspicious when I'm travelling through airports and things. Um, but anyway, I've, I've had luck so far, no one's pulled me over for my peppermint tea <laughs> travel. That's good.
3: Fingers, fingers crossed it stays that way. That's huge. So my weekly coffee order is a almond milk latte. Um, However, on the weekends, I do like to expand and um, branch out to a Vietnamese coffee. So in Cairns, there's a famous Vietnamese coffee shop and they do it with coconut condensed milk, which is the best.
1: Oh my gosh, that is the most unique answer we've ever had. That's That's so (laughs) cool. Conden- I love condensed milk I could eat that stuff out of a can
3: <laughs> it is so good but like I said it's a treat so it's only a weekend thing <laughs> yeah, that's so- I love that treat yourself
0: yes <laughs> so the next one is do you have a favorite song or a song that puts you in a good mood to start your day
3: I don't have a particular song, but I'd just say anything Beyonce. Like I'm obsessed with her. I love her. She always gets me in a good mood um, at any point of the day.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Is it your favourite track or is there too many to pick from?
3: Way too many to pick from, but your classic single ladies, you know. (laughs) I'd I'd have to say it's probably um, Girl on Fire by
2: Alicia Keys. Um, yeah. it's, it's a bit different. of a favorite and my young daughters love listening to it on our long long car drives of a morning or afternoon we often have to put it on repeat <laughs> and we we belt it out at the top of our lungs some days
1: <laughs> Oh that's so lovely it's a good song for that Yeah But <laughs> such a nice memory too I know I definitely um, favor those moments where I get to belt music at the top of my lungs with my mum. It's always ABBA music, but um, <laughs> I I love that. That's so nice. Awesome. Well, we'd also love to know about a a story or a time when a random stranger had biggest impact on your life or your journey or who you are now, and it can even be someone that you're quite close to as well. Yeah, I suppose um,
2: when I when I was younger, um, I really struggled. Uh, in school. And um, at that time, the government had a system to assist Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students by appointing them a tutor. And uh, I was appointed this incredible woman called Diana, um, who happened to be a lawyer.
3: And I didn't really know what
2: lawyers were at that time. Um, But she she taught me so many life skills. Um, She was so dedicated to me. She'd be at my house until you know, midnight some nights with her own daughter and became part of the family. And she was sort of fundamental um, in building those building blocks and making me think outside the square that I could be something like a lawyer Um, and, yeah, in showing me a, a different world, I
3: suppose. Yeah, so I'd say the Indigenous officer at QT where I studied had the biggest impact on me. So there was obviously a point where she was a stranger, and as mm-hmm. I progressed throughout my um, my degree, she became a really close um, colleague and a mentor, and really helped me get through those final years of law school and yeah, give me some guidance as to where I would like to go with my career.
1: I think it's so cool how people that you you know as strangers become really impactful and really important in your life. So it's a great story. Um, okay, well, now that we know a little bit more about you, um, we'd love to know more about Marrow Law and, you know, your particular team. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe why you chose to to get the firm up and running and and the motivation behind all of that and also what, what the firm does and what your team does? Yeah, sure. So um,
2: I... I never intended to go into private practice, um, so I always used to say things like, I don't need to know about trust accounting. That's never going <laughs> to happen. Um, and funnily enough, down the track, that's exactly what happened, uh, much to my horror. <laughs> so, But there were essentially two reasons why I established the firm. Um, and the first one and probably the one closest to my heart was that I was really... Um, Upset at the way in which solicitors were providing advice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. They I was seeing them bullying bamboozle their clients um, in, a, in a way which would force them to make a particular decision. And it wasn't a decision that um, they wanted to make, you know. Um, there was no self-determination really involved in it. Mm-hmm. So that that frustrated me. I I thought Yes, as solicitors, we have a duty to inform our clients of all the facts and put forward our recommendations, but at the end of the day, it's not our decision. So that was fundamental um, behind my decision and I felt as though I got to a point where I couldn't continue on unless I'd done this. Um, I just threw in the towel with my job and went, okay, I might not earn any money. (laughs) I'll start (laughs) off working from home, which is all the rage now, but it wasn't then. (laughs) And um, it it worked and it worked really well and it's going from there. But I suppose the other piece to it, piece of the puzzle, that I was seeing a lot of people um, trying to do business on Indigenous lands or in the Indigenous space And time and time again, it was failing miserably because I suppose they weren't doing business in a culturally appropriate way and there was miscommunication. And so sadly, many opportunities were lost on both sides um due to you know perceived risk or time or cost or reputation loss, all those things. And so I was kind of going, well, I think I can make a difference in this too and achieve uh, long-term economic solutions for you know a lot of communities where there isn't a whole heap of opportunity. Um, So that was pretty fundamental and that's that's the space in which um, I'm really passionate now, uh, more so than any,
0: because I can see the huge impact it can create. Uh, Across the country, I definitely saw something that needed to be done and moved into that space, which I think is probably why the business is so successful now, um, was definitely something that needed to be done.
3: So I first heard about Marwa Law when Leah was selected as the Queensland Law Society First Nations Lawyer of the Year. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that she won the award, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a a firm in Cairns that is run by an Aboriginal woman and has Indigenous staff members. Like, that's something that I was inspired by and I wanted to be a part of. And the work that Marawa Law and the team does in Indigenous land law and commercial law um, really aligned with my own personal values, which is to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients um, in this space. So, yeah, when the um, job opportunity presented itself, I started as a paralegal and then transitioned into a solicitor role um, once, once I got admitted.
1: That's so cool. That's lovely. And I think it's so, I mean, that's one of the reasons Paige and I wanted to have you guys on. It's so cool um, that Marawa, you know, is owned by an Aboriginal woman and it's, you focus on such important issues and that's, it's really, really cool the work that you guys do.
3: Yeah, I'm so blessed to be able to work in this space. It's very unique and like all, pretty much all the solicitors are female. So it's a really empowering environment to be in.
0: Our next question is what sort of area of law do you specialise in?
2: So we are um, quite boutique and so we specialise in what we call um, Indigenous law, so that includes native title cultural heritage dealing with indigenous businesses but we kind of couple that um, with commercial law and government law so um, it's quite unique it's a bit of a hybrid animal um, there's no textbooks out there that help us a lot of the time uh, but it's great because you have to be really innovative you have to be at the forefront of what you're doing and and no day no day is uh, the same
0: mm, that's exciting though <laughs> It is indeed <laughs> it kicks you on yeah, your toes. It
3: does. We work for traditional owner groups mainly when we do native title law, and that um involves being in communities so being in Thursday Island which is in the Torres Strait or um just being in remote and regional communities across the Cape. Um, and also we've got lawyers down in Brisbane so they go out into those areas that are regional rem- remote down there too. Um, so I guess my job is to assist the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Corporations that have received their native title. So making sure that um it's protected, especially when there's mining companies or big proponent companies that want to come on and do something on the land, we have to make sure that our clients' um, rights and interests are being protected. So that's a passion of mine and I'm really enjoying working in that type of area at the moment.
1: Building on that, we'd love to know a little bit more about what the firm is like. Um, So one of our questions is how would you describe the firm culture? So whether that's things like, you know, casual Fridays or... (laughs) work events that you do um us as students we don't have a great idea of what goes on um in different firms so it'd be lovely to have some insight into that
3: so i guess our firm all in all is we are pretty much like a family so we get along so well and um, we get the, the work done um in terms of working from home we stay um, really close from using Zoom, um, you know, changing our backgrounds and um, having having a few maybe a few wines or coffees on, online. So um, yeah, just trying to trying to stay as um, close as we could during this that time. Um, We also have our annual Christmas party, which is always a lot of fun. We have our solicitors all fly up and we'll meet at Cairns or we'll we'll meet at Brisbane. Um, And, yeah, we just get to see each other face to face because the type of work we do means we do a lot of Zoom calls or telephone calls. So having that, you know, face to face interaction is always really good. Um, Yeah, I I think (laughs) that sums up, I guess, our firm culture. (laughs) It's so lovely.
1: It's so great to hear. You know that you love what you do and you love where you are, because um, that's really important as lawyers and especially as a law students. When we're looking for places to work, I think it's important to have that enthusiasm about what we're doing. What do you think are some of the most um, pertinent or biggest legal issues, um, you know, in the indigenous space right now?
2: I think one of the the biggest issues we're facing is around um, joint ventures. So. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, smaller Indigenous businesses par- partnering with uh, larger capability partners to sort of, um, you know, supercharge their, their growth in the business sector. But yeah. what we're seeing increasingly is it's not working very well. Um, you know, there, there isn't an upskilling of the Indigenous business partner um, and there's a clawing of profits by the capability partners so and that's that's really sad. Um, but I think the the other challenge um, that's sort of in this space is for lawyers um, and looking to the fact that you know as lawyers, it's not just about looking at, um, you know, what's in a contract, the black and white. Uh, we need to, to look beyond that and look at relationships. Mm. That is so, so crucial. Um, you know, our clients might not be able to convey that to us, but that is, that is really important in what we do. And so I'd say increasingly that's a big issue that we're grappling with too.
0: Well, that's really interesting to hear about. And I guess on a more personal level, what are some of the day-to-day challenges that you face um in your work
3: yeah i would say as a like as a graduate or as a junior solicitor um One of the challenges managing your time, so there's a lot of things that happen in a day, whether it's, you know, your admin work, some marketing events, your actual legal work that you need to be focusing on and meeting available hours for. So I think, you know, you need to have a plan in place or be really organised to be able to do those certain things. And on that note too, for for us at Marable Law, our days are always so different. So I can come to work with a plan or think I have a plan and it just gets thrown out the window and I end up doing something completely different. Different. So in that sense, you have to be adaptable and flexible, um, and yet just focus on those things that are priorities to the senior solicitors.
2: Yeah, I suppose um, the challenges I have as a, as a business owner is quite unique because um, you know, some, there's some days where I've got to get on the tools and uh, <laughs> and do legal work. Um, which in a way is is almost easier, you know, you just get on there and start typing away. The hard stuff is working on the business, um, Mm. you know, because that's so crucial for our business growth and our continued success. But, you know, it's not, you don't see the reward there and then like you do with time recording. So that so that is challenging along with trying to keep up family commitments and everything else. So I, I've started using time blocking <laughs> recently, yeah. um, which is is working quite well, I think.
1: Oh, that's yeah, good. No, <laughs> I definitely uh, support that strategy. My calendar is just a bunch of different coloured blocks of this needs to be in this time and that kind of thing. It's a good strategy. Yeah. Um, it's definitely helpful. <laughs> and then I guess on a more positive
0: note to uh, that sort of question is what do you think uh, the biggest success has been either in your role or for the firm as a whole?
2: Yeah, I think I think recently we've had some pretty big things, but I suppose they're things that only lawyers get. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> recently we've been advised by chambers that we're going to receive our first international ranking which was a huge woohoo moment wow. um, and um and the other big one was that we were um, included in the small list of um, firms to provide legal services to the queensland government um so that that was a really exciting moment as well
1: that's amazing those are such huge achievements congrats Thank you. <laughs> That's so exciting. Good thing you've
0: started enjoying the government side of... Uh, oh, exactly,
3: yeah. <laughs> I honestly think the transition from paralegal to a solicitor was a huge thing for me because um, it was like I finally got there, I finally made it to the end of the tunnel, the end of study and PLT and everything. So I think huge today... a milestone. Was, yeah, my biggest achievement. And I'm also the firm's first Torres Strait Islander solicitor, so...
1: Yeah, that's huge. That's so good. Thank you. Awesome. Um, On that, I guess, what are some of the skills that you think are, you know, most important for someone wanting to work either in the same practice area as you or that someone who's looking to, you know, go out there and start their own law firm um, and, you know, tackle those problems that aren't being addressed? To
2: be honest, I think it's um, having a variety of experience. Um, so working for private practice, working for government, working for, if you want to get into native title, you know, land councils or native title service providers. I think that's really, really crucial. Um, it gives you that broader perspective. And I think as well in terms of, you know, owning your own business I would have valued working in a private practice before I decided to <laughs> open my own. Um, so I wish I'd had I'd done that, but you know yeah. that horse has bolted now. So I do, I would really encourage that.
3: So I guess as a first thing you'd need is cultural competency or some sort of cultural training, whether you've done that at university or, you know, a course outside of uni, it's always really helpful. Um, If you have an opportunity to work in a community legal centre that works with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that would be a great starting point as well. Um, They just teach you the ways to to communicate effectively. Like I said, putting things in simple language um, goes a long way with understanding um, the law because it can be really difficult to understand. Yeah, and another thing as well, like communications, your style of communicating. So whether certain clients might like the phone or others might like email, it really just depends. Um, And others might just like face-to-face which, you know, during COVID has been quite difficult. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> um, implementing Zoom and things like that too.
0: And then I guess we'd also just be interested in what um, message would you like to pass on to maybe some of the Indigenous law students um, or the cohort more broadly, um, but taking your sort of unique perspective on that?
2: Yeah, I suppose um, one thing I'd say is that uh, when you study, you know, the focus is really on those academic results um, but I'd say that's not the be-all and end-all. Um, you know, when I was at uni, I studied really hard. It was a hard slog to get through all those years. But at the end of the day, um, I'd say it's actually more useful to just, you know, have have lots of different experiences while you're studying. You know, if you can do a bit of work, if it's, you know, stocking shells at Woolies or, you know, whatever it is, it's great to to have that experience um, because more and more life skills are really important, you know, being able to listen, show empathy, understand relationships. That's what I find really valuable in the staff that I employ. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said before, it's it's not just about the documents that you're dealing with or a particular case. It's all about relationships between people. So I think that should be, a you know, a focus for, for students to keep, you know, keep that, in perspective um, and know that, yeah, employers look beyond whether you've got distinctions or high distinctions. You know, we look at your other life skills that you've got and what you're putting into the community as well.
1: That's awesome. That's great to know. I think that's very relieving for a lot of students.
3: I think I would have liked to have done an international placement, so either for a semester or a year, just go overseas and try something completely new and be out of my comfort zone. I did have an opportunity to do a two-week international placement in Vanuatu, but that was, again, really short, <laughs> so I think I would have liked to have done a, a bit of a longer international experience, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then I guess our last sort of wrap-up question that we always do is if you could step into our shoes as hosts, is there anything you would have liked us to ask you that we didn't or something that you would want to comment on that uh, you would like people to know about?
2: Um, I suppose I'm, you know, obviously when I finished law school, um, the world looked quite quite different and we didn't have lots of social media (laughs) (laughs) out there. I mean, I... Um, so it was, it was a lot simpler, I suppose. I'm intrigued as to what uh, my fear at that time was. You know, finding finding work employment it was really difficult. Um, you know, for a lot of lot of um, my cohort who didn't have jobs already. So I suppose mm-hmm. I'm interested about what what's the you know what's the fear for you guys as you're you're finishing up and heading into the workforce.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I think. I think right now, especially with, I guess, the impact of COVID, I think for us it's definitely, or at least for me, it's it's getting that graduate job. Um, I think hearing, I guess, lots of horror stories about, um, you know, people being so qualified and so talented, but just unfortunately drawing up short to, in terms of, like, opportunities and, and what they can do in the future is is worrying um but in saying that on the other side of it we have we've had such lovely people come on the podcast and tell us things that you know maybe they didn't get a grad job in what they thought they wanted to do but they do something else and it worked out or they like you to know that you know you can start your own thing and it'll all work out too if you put in the hard work I think kind of makes those those feelings and those stresses um dissipate a little bit which is a good reminder it's just it's just making sure we remember it i think rather than going back into that pattern of like oh my god am i gonna get a job i think it's being Uh, open-minded to those opportunities as well that
0: we sometimes have a very fixed idea of what we think we want to do and how we're going to get there and we want it to go exactly that way and we have to remember you know things don't always work out that way and and it's still okay
2: yeah i think i think i'd agree with that completely you know if you'd said you know 15 years ago I'd be doing this I'd say you're absolutely bonkers that's never going to happen but it's
1: amazing
2: <laughs> you know the the direction life pushes you in for particular reasons you know and it, it works out generally in the wash um so yeah yes. I just I, I do encourage you know I'm not generally a risk taker but you know there have been moments where I've, I've made that leap and it's worked out for the best.
3: I guess just as general advice for any law students listening, um, make sure that you um, are making time for yourself like during uni and transitioning into the legal profession because well-being and your health is so important to be able to continue to do the role and the work um, that you're doing at your law firm. So that like making time for, you know, yoga or walking your dog or being out in nature makes all the difference to, to you and your health and also your productivity during the week as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's such a great tip.
3: Thank you. Yeah, because long can be quite stressful. So you sort of need to find a way to balance work life as well. And it's
1: long, it's a long career. People are in the long, long time and, and whether you're doing the same thing the whole time or you're changing jobs and whatever, you, it's, it's hard wherever you go. So I think that's definitely a great tip.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. We really, no, right. really appreciate it. It's been so lovely to speak to you you too and we're so excited that we are doing this and we get to talk to all different kinds of firms and surprisingly COVID has been really great for us because it means that we can speak to people like you that aren't here in Melbourne Victoria
3: no thanks so much for having us thank you
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Grind. We're so thrilled to be able to bring you Season 2, which will be out every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. The links are in your show notes.
0: That's all from us today and we'll see you in our next episode where we'll hear from Terry Jenke and Company, an Indigenous law firm specialising in intellectual property law located in New South Wales.